0: With a heavy heart, that I remind you that last week we had a we had an old friend, um, an old friend move away for a while, and that was the Book of Acts. We, we got through it. <laughs> like I said I, I feel like a friend moved away. But you know what? I found out. I found out Here's a here's a hack. Here's a tip. Here's a cheat code. I found out you can take your Bible home and still open up to the Book of Acts. <laughs> Anytime you want. So it's all good. <laughs> but We're not completely done. I want to... Yeah, yeah. We're going to start back at Acts 1. We're going to do part 2 here. Lap <laughs> <laughs> number 2. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. We, uh, we are going to pick up on that last chapter. And uh, there's some question marks that might be left. Because the uh, Dr. Luke left it a little open at the end there as to uh, the ministry of the Apostle Paul and the ministry of the gospel. And there's a reason for that because the, the book of Acts does not end with a giant period or even a giant exclamation mark. The book of Acts ends with an ellipsis. That's dot, dot, dot because the church did not stop with when the Bible was finished being written. The church did not stop when the last of the original apostles died. The church is alive and active today. Thank God. Sometimes we talk about the early church as if it's a different church. The early church is still the church. The early church still worked and moved by the inspiration and power, empowering of the Holy Spirit just like we do. The early church still had the head. The head of the early church was Jesus Christ. He's the head of our church the early church still used men and women who were flawed, but God called them and, and qualified them and equipped them for the work that they were called to do just as he does today. In fact, the Bible tells us that in these last days, the former and the latter reign will be combined together. And that's, that's the day we're alive in right now. So we have no, no reason to look back and say those were the good old days. They were good, they were old, but uh, there's nothing there's nothing inferior about the days that we're living in today. In fact, it's going to take a group of believers to stand up and be counted and, uh, and not back down because things are getting to the point where the dark is getting darker and the light must get lighter. There's, the lines are being drawn. If you haven't noticed, our culture is rapidly departing from their heritage. And you know, on one hand, that's a very sad thing. Righteousness exalts a nation, but at the same time, it does not mean that the gospel is in any way hindered. It does not mean that your life, and I believe that we'll, we'll make an impact on our culture. We're going we're gonna to take some ground. We're not giving up on this nation by any means. We're not giving up on our culture, but don't be surprised when the dark gets dark because the light's going to get lighter. And with that greater, greater evil comes greater glory. And thank God, God has poured out that glory on his church. And we've only tasted it, but we're going to be drenched in it. Amen. So I want you to just open your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy. And I want to read you um, the end of the book of Acts that we left off just in in preparation. When we left off uh, last week, as we finished the book, Acts 28.30 says, He stayed two full years in His own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to Him preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. That two-year period he's talking about, there's a reason he's in the house and people have to come to him, right? The reason is, is he's still under arrest. He's awaiting some trial. He's under house arrest. and He's been given great openness, great uh, favor to have people over to this house and come visit him and hear the gospel. And... Uh, he is able to send letters to churches, um, but I want you to know that wasn't the last time he was in prison. In fact, uh, the evidence shows us that he did, in fact, get released again because later in his letters to Timothy and, and some of his other letters, he indicates that there were some other places he visited. Uh, he, he tells us in one of his letters that he intended to go as far as even Spain, and um, while the Scripture doesn't tell us whether or not he made it to Spain, there are uh some of his contemporaries, some of the young men who were just coming up at the time he was executed, later said he went all the way to the furthest, the farthest west of the Roman Empire, which would have been Spain. So I believe he made it all the way to Spain preaching the gospel. But he was imprisoned again. And the second time he was in prison would be the last. That was, uh, that was in 66, 67. And uh, that was when he gave his life. Uh, The first time he was in prison, the Christians weren't actively being persecuted. They weren't being hunted down as much as they would be later. Uh, By the time Paul gave his life, the Christians had become public enemy number one. And Nero had uh, declared an all-out hunt for Christians and and, and put them on trial for for all sorts of things. And so um, some of the letters that we find in the Bible, uh, scholars can debate when when they were written and, and where they were written. But many, many of them believe that some of these letters were written at the time of his second imprisonment, and his second imprisonment wasn't as nice as the first one. The second imprisonment was most likely not in a house. In fact, uh, many historians tell us that he spent some time in what was called the Mamertine Prison. We've talked about that. One of Rome's most notorious prisons, a dank, dark, wet place. It was just not a good place to be, and... uh, history tells us that Peter might have spent some time there as well before he was executed. So uh, there's, this, there's this part that leaves off in the book of Acts with him having a nice imprisonment in a house, and people are visiting him, and 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 the guards like him, and, and, and people are coming and going. But later on, he was once again in prison, and it wasn't as nice for him. It was a little bit harder. Uh, but I want you to know that that if you read those letters, if you've read them like I've read them, you don't see any hint of despair. You don't see any hint that the gospel is in any way stopped by this. In fact, you see the gospel going on as it, as it hasn't before. It, it's taking on speed. He's, he's taking advantage of the circumstances he's in. And so uh, I wanted to, to talk a little bit about that uh, because uh, I don't think any of you... In the, in, the next, in the foreseeable future, are going to be put in prison for your faith. I believe all of you would. You'd go to prison for Jesus if you had to, but I don't believe you probably are going to have to do that. But either way, we have to know that the gospel is not hindered by circumstances. The gospel is not hindered by opposition. That's one thing that the rulers of this world, you know, the Bible talks about if the rulers of this world had known, they would not have crucified Jesus. You know, when he's talking about the rulers of this world, he's not just talking about Romans and Jews. He's talking about those rulers, principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this age. He's talking about spiritual forces. I want you to know that the forces of hell are not dumb, but they are in chaos. You think about it. Their leader is the father of lies. How organized could you be? Right? Darkness is the absence of light. They live in that darkness. I believe there's great frustration. I believe there's a constant hatred. I believe that there's, uh, in the forces of darkness, there's a constant um, uh, just, just anger. There's, you know, they're, they're unsettled at all times. And so they keep trying the same things. Jesus told us that, that one of the types of people that hears the gospel is a person with a shallow heart whose roots don't go down very far And when persecution arises because of the word, God doesn't send it. Who sends it? The enemy sends it to steal the word, to stop the word. Persecution arises because of the word. Those people have no firm root in themselves. They dry up, they die, they wither. Now, so persecution is sometimes effective according to that, right? It's effective against people who don't have roots. But, History tells us, history shows us, the Bible shows us that when you get some rooted, grounded believers, persecution cannot smother the gospel. In fact, it seems like the gospel just takes off like wildfire, and the more you try to put it out, the more it spreads. Now, don't be an idiot and start praying for persecution, because there's nowhere in the Bible where you see that. In fact, you see the opposite. The Apostle Paul says, Pray for rulers and all that are in authority, that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. You don't need to pray for the enemy to do what the enemy does. He'll do it on his own. Well, don't be that guy. That's, you're not on that team. You're on, the, you're on the light, right? Let God handle. Let God handle this people. He's going to. His plan will be fulfilled. You pray what He told you to pray. Nevertheless, we know persecution arises when the word spreads. And when the word is planted, there's an attempt to crush it. There's an attempt to kill it. And here's the good news. For those that have those roots, for those that, that have built their house on the rock, the storms can't crush it. The storms can't destroy it. And the gospel is, is unchainable. It's, it's not going to be broken. And so I want you to see something that, that Paul says to, sec, to Timothy in 2 Timothy. And um, I want to read you, uh, uh, we'll skip around a little bit because I want you to see some things that he says. Uh, He says in in chapter 1, verse 15, actually, I'm sorry, let's start in verse 8. He says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which is granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus, Christ Jesus, who abolished death. Now, that is a powerful phrase. Abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's one of the coolest verses in the Bible, right there. For which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, For this reason, I suffer these things. Now, let let me tell you, people have often missed the point when we talk about suffering. They think, well, every time I get a headache, maybe God's trying to teach me something. Here we see what he's doing. That suffering had a purpose. The suffering was man-made. That suffering was trying to, to kill the gospel, trying to stop him. But he was saying, I choose to keep doing what God called me to do. No matter what comes against me, I will endure like a good soldier. Now, you have to understand that when he says, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier, you ask yourself, how does a soldier uh, encounter hardship? How does a soldier e- encounter suffering at times when things get difficult? What if the soldier got in the middle of the field and said, they're shooting at me? Maybe I'm supposed to, maybe I'm supposed to get shot. Maybe the general sent them. Maybe my general sent them to shoot at me so I'd be a better soldier. No, man. Your general didn't send them, but your general sent you into the battle. He knew you'd get shot at, but you've been equipped for that battle. In fact, your general is far greater than any human general because your general sees what no one else sees. He did send you to battle. He knows you'll get shot at, but he has equipped you to win that battle. But there are going to be times where the battle's not easy. There's going to be times where the battle's inconvenient. There's going to be times where you say, I'd rather not be here right now. And other people run, but you stay and you fight and you know, God would not abandon me. God has not left me. He's with me. And if he's with me, I will overcome. Amen. We must believe that. We've got to believe that. God didn't send the enemy, but God sent you to fight the enemy. And if he sent you to fight the enemy, he's prepared you for battle. So he says, join me in suffering for the gospel. Don't, don't shrink back. He's having to encourage Timothy That though persecution is at an all-time high, don't stop preaching. Don't stop preaching publicly. Don't stop going where God tells you to go. Don't be a chicken. Don't be a wimp. God's not giving you the spirit of timidity, but of love and power and of a sound mind. He says, don't be ashamed of me. It's one thing to say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's another thing to say, I'm not ashamed of you. Right? Right? You ever notice that there are moments when the, the media puts one of our own on trial? Made a little slip, said something, and we back away from them like they've got leprosy. He says, don't, don't be ashamed of the gospel, but don't be ashamed of me. Because by identifying with me, you're getting yourself into some hot water. But don't be ashamed of me. I'm, in, I'm a prisoner for Jesus. I'm here because I'm preaching. That's why I'm in chains. But he says, look, look at this. He says, for this reason... Because I was appointed an apostle by the grace of God. I was appointed to preach this magnificent gospel of life and immortality that Jesus has put death to death. If that makes any sense. He put death in the grave once and for all. He defeated it. And he says, because of this, I'm willing to go through some stuff because I want to preach this gospel. He says this. I suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. I know Whom I have believed. I know my God. I know my Savior. I know my Master. I know my boss. I know whom I have believed. And I know that I am convinced. Thank God, that's a big word. I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him to that day. He understands what Jesus said to his disciples. Though they'll put you on trial. Though they will put some of you to death. Jesus said they won't be able to harm a hair on your head. What a weird thing to say, Jesus. You just said they'll put some of us to death. Are you telling me they won't mess my hair up when I die? No, he's saying they can't touch what matters. He can't touch what matters. What you've entrusted to Jesus... There is not a power of the devil. There's not a power of hell or earth. There's not a power out there that can harm what you've entrusted to Jesus. Your soul is secure in him. Your life is secure. Your hope is secure in him. And he will not abandon you. When all friends abandon, he never abandons. And if you've got a mission left, he won't abandon you. If, you've got, if you say this is the end, I'm, I'm 90 years old. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. He's still not abandoning you. There is not a point where you are alone. So here he says this. He says, For this is my reason. This is why I'm willing to do this. And I'm convinced he is able to guard what I've entrusted. For this reason I suffer these things. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry, verse 13. He says, retain the standard of sound words which you've heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in you the treasure which has been entrusted to you. So you see that that treasure is worth something. He says, guard it. There's something that, the, there's something that Jesus is going to guard for you, and there's something you've got to guard that he's placed in you. He's going to guard what you've entrusted to him. Now, you've got to guard what he's entrusted to you, but you don't have to guard it alone, right? He says, guard it through the Holy Spirit. If you don't get that right now, if you say that's a little... You're skipping my brain here. Take some time and meditate on that. Go home and think about it. What it means, not only to trust God with something, but to know that God has trusted a treasure to you. And that the Holy Spirit is able to help you to guard it. What are those things? Those are those gifts that God's placed in you. That's that life He's placed in you. The Holy Spirit is able so so that even when... Um, that all these other people are shipwrecking their faith for different reasons, you won't because you're relying on the Holy Spirit. He says this, he says, you are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me. It's a hard verse. Asia being the, the Roman province of Asia, not the continent of Asia as we know it, but the Roman province of Asia. So all those churches in Asia Minor where he had such great success some of our best letters in the Bible come from those churches. In fact, all seven of the churches that Jesus wrote to years after this when, when the apostle John saw his vision of the Lord and Jesus said, write these seven letters, all of those churches were in Asia. He said, all of those guys deserted me. That's really tough to hear. He says, they all, they, they, they all are in Asia, turned away from me, among whom are Figulus and Hermogenes, The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he has refreshed me, and he was not ashamed of my chains. I'm not going to go too much into that, but I want you to recognize that that part of not being ashamed of Jesus is not being ashamed of his people. He says this, But when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched me, he found me, and the Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well what services he rendered at Ephesus. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he might please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. You see what he's saying? We're different. We got a mission. Here's, here's something that, that uh, you know, and this phrase has been said throughout the years in, in different ways, but it's been a help to me. What others may do, I may not because I'm called. I've got a mission. I've got a purpose. There are things that others can do and I will not condemn them for doing it. There are, there are, there are things that are not sinful. There are ways to live your life that are not directly sinful. They're just, you know, where you're at, but there's a point in your life where you realize that God's called you to something, and there's some things that you have to choose between. Do I choose to follow God with a full heart all the way? Do I choose to, to lay aside every weight and sin which so easily entangles me so I can run faster? So he says, as a soldier, there's some things we, gotta, we just lay aside that's just not worth it. Paul said, all things are lawful. He said, all sorts of things are lawful, guys. You know, that's the question. I, you know, I wish the youth were up here right now because that's the question a lot of teenagers ask and, and people far after that. Am I allowed to do this? Am I allowed to do that? Often that is the wrong question. Whether or not you're allowed to is not the question. He says, all things are lawful. Not all things are profitable. So the question isn't always, am I allowed to do this? It is, is this helping me in my journey? Is this helping me run the race? Is this helping me spread the gospel? If it's not, I need to reconsider it. And everybody, there are, those lines are, are different for everybody. God will bring you from, from different levels. He'll bring you up a level. So I've learned not to, not to judge somebody for being at a different level than, than me. And I hope they do the same for me. That we say, okay, you might be at your level, but as long as you are continuing upward and onward in Jesus, there's going to be things at different stages in your life that you say, I used to do this and it was fine, but I got to the point where I want to go deeper. And in order to go deeper or in order to go higher, sometimes some of those, you know, when that spaceship takes off, there's a point where they got to let go of the booster rockets. There's just certain things you got to let go of if you want to go deeper. He says, as a soldier, I don't entangle myself in the same things everybody else does. He says, because here's the reason. Not because I want to prove that I'm a better soldier than you. He said, I want to please the one who enlists me. See, that, that is the best way to live. If you're living your life comparing yourself to others, you'll always be miserable or you'll make them miserable. But he says, but if you live your life to please the one that called you, you're going to make right decisions, I believe. I believe that's the first step in making right decisions. You'll make all sorts of good decisions because your heart is to please him. Then it says this, and that's the difference between living by grace and living by the law, isn't it? You live by the law, you're saying, what am I allowed to do? You live by grace and you say, Lord, how can I please you? How can I walk in your light? I know that I'm pleasing you through Jesus Christ. How can I live a life that's worthy of the calling that you've called me to? He says this in verse 5, Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. You know in other places, he talks about being an athlete. He says, I train. He says, like an athlete trains. He says, I will buffet my body. And any of you who train for competitive athletics, any of you who've trained to go beyond just phys ed class and you want to go further in a sport or in a, an athletic activity, you know that your body screams at you, why are you doing this to me? What did I ever do to you? What's wrong with you? You know what leg day feels like at the gym. You know your legs go, now we can't walk. I hope you're happy. I hope you, I hope you like feeling like a jellyfish. I remember, I remember when I was Attempting to get ready uh, <laughs> to get married. You know, we always do this. You know, you're about to get married, and so you think you've got to look like, uh, you know, I don't know. Name a bodybuilder. I, I, my brain is searching for one. I can't find one. But you, you need to look like a supermodel or something. Like anyone cares, right? But uh, so, you know, I, I'm about to get married. Well, you know, these photos are going to be around forever. So I asked Dave Freeman to take me to the gym, and I said, you know, man, I. I I haven't been consistent. I work out a little bit and then I don't work out. I work out a little bit and then I don't work I need you to put me through the motions. Well, I remember that those first couple weeks, I, rem- I remember attempting to answer the phone and having to bring my head to the phone because <laughs> my arm wouldn't go up. It was in such pain. I go, is this, is this worth it, you know? And to be honest, if you were asking me now, was it worth it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I do know this. If you want to go beyond the average, if you want to go beyond the average, if you want to excel in something, there will be a pushback, and you've got to push past that, as Brother Dennis talked about pushing past that sound barrier. you got to push past that, that kickback. Your body says, I don't want it." He says, I will buffet my body. Buffet means to, to, to bruise, make black and blue, hit repeatedly. I will, he's not... Punishing himself, he's saying, I'll train myself, and I might come out feeling a little sore for a while, but I'll be prepared for this. And he says, so that I might win the prize. I don't run to compete, I run to win, he says. Yeah. He says, I don't box just to beat the air, I box to win. And so here he's saying, Timothy, you need to know that you're not ordinary, you're not called to just be just another G.I. Joe, you're called to please the one that enlisted you. And so you need to know that your life will be different. And uh, he's a perfect perfect example of this. I've looked through Paul's letters so often, and I don't want to exalt the man because it really was the Holy Spirit working through him. He says, I worked harder than everybody, but it wasn't me. It was the grace of God. So to, to talk about this, I'm not telling you Paul was a superhero. I'm telling you this is what the grace of God looks like in someone. And he says this, you know, you look at his letters, and there were so many times he had the choice whether to go through something. And we don't talk about that a lot. He had the choice whether or not he would go through it. And he chose to go through it so he could get the gospel to these people. I think there's plenty of opportunities for you to say no to something. And I don't believe that God will turn you away because you did it, but I do believe That if you really want to to go all out, there's going to be times where you choose the hard route because it's the route that's going to get life to people. And that's what we've been called to. And there's a reward for that. So here, uh, he goes on and he says, he says in verse 8, remember Jesus Christ. You see, that's what it all comes down to. At the end, you've got to fix your mind on Jesus. That's why we're doing it. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant descendant of David, according to my gospel, Isn't that interesting? He's not saying I made this up. He's not saying I claim ownership. But it is so dear to him. It's so precious to him that he's gotten to the point. This this letter is the last thing he'll write that we have record of. He's at the end of his life and he is so intimate with the gospel he's preached all this time. He says, According to my gospel, I, I feel like it's mine now. He says, According to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. The original language, that word imprisoned, is, is literally to be bound, to be tied up, to be chained. He says, this, for this reason, I am chained for the gospel. Here's the good news. He says, the, but the gospel, the word of God is not chained. See, I love that. Because you got to know that those rulers at the time thought if they could chain Paul up, they could quiet this down. It's the same thing they thought when they tried to kill John. And he, he, they could not kill the man. They tried to boil him in oil. He came up out of the oil just fine. So they thought if we stick him on a rock, he won't bug anybody. A God-forsaken rock in the middle of nowhere where hardened criminals are sent to do labor and no one will hear of him. But in that rock, it was anything but God-forsaken because Jesus appears to him on that rock and gives him the greatest vision of Jesus Christ and history that anyone's ever seen. So there's not a point where the gospel can be stopped by the efforts of mankind. And I want you to know that, that in your life, the gospel, even if sometimes you feel like the circumstances around you are not perfect, God doesn't need perfect circumstances to do his perfect work. God doesn't need everything to be lined up in a row. You watch what he does. I said to my wife, I remember we were talking, I, I, I've said this to you before, we were talking about here's what was in our heart to do and here's what God was leading us to do. And we, you know, at one point found ourselves saying, well, when, when our schedule calms down a bit, when things get normal, and all of a sudden I just felt like that was wrong to say. We, we, we stopped and we said, our schedule's not ever going to get perfect. There's not going to be a point where everything just seems like, oh, we got nothing going on. We have to choose now that we are going to follow the voice of the Lord. And it doesn't matter if it seems like the worst time. This is not a good time to start something. It's not a good time to step out in faith. Every time is a good time. So he says the gospel, he says, I'm chained up, but here's what they don't know. Ha ha, joke's on them. The gospel, the word of God is unchained. You could chain me up, but you can't chain up the message. You can't chain the Holy Spirit. And in fact, you look at the impact the apostle Paul had while in chains. It didn't slow him down one bit, not a bit. I want to take a break. We'll come back to this. So stick a bookmark or a finger there. And then uh, I want to show you what he writes to the Philippians while he's in in a dark place. Uh, Naturally, but he doesn't seem to be in a dark place spiritually. He's in prison. He's in the dirty, dark prison. But this letter has the word joy more than any other book in the Bible. As far as... Words per capita, if I can say that. Philippians 1. He says, uh, in verse 12, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. (laughs) Well, that backfired on somebody, didn't it? So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole praetorian guard and to everyone else. If you don't know who the Praetorian Guard was, the Praetorian Guard was only found in the capital city in Rome. The Praetorian Guard were the elite. They were chosen to guard the emperor and to guard his city. These guys were the the finest of the fine soldiers. You didn't just get into the Praetorian Guard because you applied. You had to be good. These are the guys that were trusted with guarding the emperor's life. And he says the gospel has spread through the whole Praetorian Guard. Isn't that awesome? The the the, the terrible evil emperor is surrounded by believers. Isn't that awesome? He, he people that are working in his house, people that, soldiers that are guarding him as he goes to, they are believers because of Paul being in prison you imagine any time a, a guard gets close enough to hear him singing, to hear him praying? He notices them and he starts talking to them. There's not a circumstance where he doesn't take advantage of it. And he says, hey guys, unforeseen little, little uh, side benefit. I've been in prison and so I, I kind of got a bunch of people in the praetorian guard saved. The word is spread throughout the whole, the whole unit. And then he says, and to everyone else. I don't know who that is. But he's obviously messed up the city of Rome. Because everyone else seems like some important people. He says, the whole Praetorian Guard. And to everyone else, the word is being spread. And that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment. What? Hang on. What? Trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment. Let's finish the sentence and then we'll address that. Trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Hang on. When was the last time you said somebody went to jail? That gives me hope. I'm so excited. You know what they saw? There was a bunch of people that were afraid to preach because it became illegal. They saw Paul go to prison for it, and they saw it didn't slow him down. Saw it didn't steal his joy. Saw it didn't stop the gospel. So it gave them courage. It said, if he's willing to go, we are too. Amen. I want what he's got. Amen. They look at that and they say, yeah, yeah. If it's worth it to him, there's something there. It gave them courage to preach. Do you ever realize that when you step out for the gospel's sake, when you step out for Jesus' sake, and he demonstrates his power through you, even when it seems to you like, man, things aren't turning out like I thought they would, other people are gaining courage because you stepped out in faith. People are looking at you and saying, yeah, that gives me hope. If they can do it, I can do it. Thank God. See, we look around and we think that in order to be an inspiration to somebody, we got to be what the world calls a success story. We got to end up on Oprah. We got to end up on, 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 uh, on the top of society. They, we, they've got to look at us and say it worked out well for them. But you know what? In order to encourage somebody, you got to step out in faith, be strong and courageous and just do what God called you to do. And people are watching you and they're looking at you and they're saying, if they can do that, even when it was, even when their coworkers gave them grief for it, even when their family said that's a bad idea, even when it seemed like they weren't qualified, and they stepped out in faith. If they can do it, I can do it. Yeah, on, he says. Now, what's happened is they started preaching the word without fear. So here's here's the the point. You put a guy like Paul in prison to to frighten everybody else. That's why Herod cut James' head off. Yeah. Shut him up. If I if I'll cut this guy's head off, maybe I'll squash the movement. If we put Paul in prison, we'll shut this thing down. Watch what it did. By putting Paul in prison, it caused how many more preachers to spring up? Oops. You made an error. You have just caused the gospel to get bigger. Nice try. And it happens every time. And you can see it even in our world today. Whether it be communist China. Whether it be the Middle East. When people try to crush the gospel, it springs up in more places than it ever did before. You can't kill the gospel. Can't kill it. You need to know. Stop waiting for the perfect circumstances. Stop waiting for that moment where everything seems to line up. Do it now. Trust God now. Watch what he can do now. Because though you feel bound in some areas, though you feel limited in some areas, the gospel is unchained unlimited unbound the gospel is not suffering because things got a little tighter the gospel is not suffering because somebody made it harder for you you cannot crush the gospel. And I want you to know that the Holy Spirit cannot be crushed in your life. The Holy Spirit is not afraid of a little chaos. The Holy Spirit is not afraid of circumstances that don't seem to line up perf- perfectly. Stop waiting for perfect circumstances. And just trust God that the gospel, the word of God was designed for this. And you can be delivered now. You can be healed now. And you can preach now. And you can be anointed now. And just trust God. Though they try to chain me up, though they try to shut me up, the gospel is impossible to shut up. It's impossible to chain. It's impossible to shut down. Back to Second Timothy. He says, The word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. And with it eternal glory, it is a trustworthy statement for if we died with him, we will also live with him. Notice that died is past tense. He's not saying if we die next week, if we die for Jesus, he's saying we died already. That death took place. Now, he's not afraid to die physically for Jesus, but died is in the past tense because we've already died. With Jesus. And we're going to live with Jesus. We died. We were on the cross with Jesus. We were crucified with Christ. That's taken place. So now I no longer live, but Christ lives, with, lives within me. It says, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Well, oh, that's good. If we deny him, he will deny us. But if we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. The way the Apostle Paul says that it is a trustworthy statement. He didn't just write that just then. That's, the way it's phrased, it may very well have been a song they sang. It may very well have been a statement that they said together. Because he says it's a trustworthy statement. What you've heard is true. It was obviously something the early church was clinging to. The fact that this isn't the end and the fact that, guys, we need to constantly remind ourselves, what are we in this for? Mm-hmm. When we remember, we're in it for him. Yeah. And he has overcome the world. Remember, that's what Jesus said. Yeah. When things get weird out there, he says, in the world you have trouble. But in me, yeah. you have peace. I give you my peace. He says, take heart, take cheer, be of good cheer. Yeah. So Jesus is going to tell you something that's going to cheer you up. When, when you're saying, the world's not making it easy for me. He says, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. See, that's what we got to look at. That's what Paul looked at when he was in prison. He looked at Jesus. He said, oh man, he's never forsaken me. We're going to, we'll go on and read some other time. But when he's on trial at the end of his, at his last trial, he said, when everybody forsake, forsook me, Jesus stood with me. See, at the end, that's what we got to look at. Our gospel is unchainable. It's unstoppable, the word of God cannot be put down. <laughs> as, as Brother Tony Miller said when we were in Saskatoon, he said, you know, every time somebody tries to give you manure, tries to, put man, you know, tries to throw that manure at you, just, say, just realize that manure is just fertilizing the field. It's just, you're just causing my crops to grow. You, just, you think you're causing me trouble, but you're not. It's the truth. I'm not looking for trouble. You don't have to look for trouble. You preach the gospel, people find you. The enemy will find you. But the enemy, thank God, this is what Jesus said, he, the ruler of this world has nothing in me. The enemy has been crushed, defeated. He's got nothing on you. He, he does not have permission to harm your soul because you've entrusted what, the things that matter, you've entrusted to him who's able to guard it. Do you know whom you've believed? See, a lot of people know what they believe. That's not the question tonight. The question is, do you know whom you've believed? Lots of people can tell you what. But the thing at the end of the day that's going to rescue you, going to deliver you, going to save you, is not what you believe, but it's who you believe. I know him, and I know that he's able. You look at the intimacy that the Apostle Paul has achieved with his Savior by the end of his life. He says, I know him. I know him. He says, this, this gospel, I'm going to go ahead and call it my gospel. It's the same sort of attitude that John had when he wrote his epistle and called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. It wasn't that Jesus loved John more than everybody else. It was that he was writing it and he said, he didn't even write his own name. You realize not once did he write his name. Not once did he write his own name, no. The disciple whom Jesus loved. He loved me. People that know the Lord are changed. And I love to look at these men. I love them when they're young, but I like to look at them when they're old. The Bible says, I write, John said, I write to you fathers because you've known Him who's from the beginning. There's something about fathers and mothers in the faith who've been at it for a while. There is an intimacy of knowing through all those years the same Jesus and the same God. Yeah. And there is a love that develops and gets richer and richer. Yeah. I tell you, I, I, I've experienced that love, but I know it's only going to get deeper as the more I grow. Yeah. I mean, come and talk to me when I'm 80 and we'll, yeah. we'll, have, a, we'll have a chat. Yeah. Because I think I'm going to be, I, I, my prayer is that I'll be so much closer to him then. Right. And be able to tell you, he's never failed me. Right. He's never forsaken me. He's never abandoned me. No yeah. people can abandon you you know, things might, you know, not look, look like other people left you. He never left. He never abandoned. In fact, he's only grown richer and better to me than the day I met him. And every day I learn something new about him, and every day I'm amazed by him. That's the Jesus we know. The gospel we know, I want you to just be, be so sure in yourself that you don't need to look for the perfect circumstance for the gospel. The gospel is unchainable. It's unbreakable. It is un hindered. Don't fear what the enemy throws at you. The enemy has no power to destroy you. The enemy has no ability to take away what Jesus gave you. We don't need to live in fear. Let's live in faith. Let's live in the grace of Jesus. Let's stand in his grace and know that he has prepared us for this day and age, knowing that the gospel will never be crushed. It will only spread. Amen. Let's stand up together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know something's funny. As as I was describing the goodness of Jesus, I I don't know how what you feel, but even as I was describing that, I felt it deeper, just as I was talking about it. I I felt the presence of the Lord, and I I I really believe that we need to talk about Him. In those terms, we need to remind ourselves about who he is. He loves it. and He loves it when we look at him. He loves it when we fix our eyes on him and say, what have I been worried about? What have I been concerned about? You are, you're obviously so much greater. You're obviously, you're, you're so good. It was funny, even as we talk about it, you feel the presence of God strengthening you. And, and You can understand why some people call it a sweet presence of God. There's something to it. So Lord, we thank you for being who you are. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for us. Thank you for becoming to us an eternal source of salvation. An eternal source of salvation. Thank you for, for just being... Exactly who you've been. Our high priest, our savior, our friend, our Lord, our master, our king, our brother. Thank you for all these things. Lord, we, uh, we want to follow you. We want to please the one that enlisted us. We're not out here to please people. We're out here to please you. You are the one we signed up for. You found us out in the backwoods of nowhere. You found us in the strangest places. You found us when no one else would have said that we were worth finding, but you found us. And you counted us worthy of your kingdom because of your blood, because of your grace that was bestowed on us. You found us, and for the rest of our lives, we're never going to be able to repay that. But for the rest of our lives, everything we have is yours it's it's we're glad to follow you we're glad to give our lives we thank you for it in Jesus name amen